Thank you, Todd. I pray as a result of our morning together, morning, everyone. listening to your word. Uh, kids, you are dismissed for Gospel Project. We hope you have a great time, and thank and you Lord to those of you who are helping to lead. My shepherd. Uh, parents do. Remember to ask your God, we children say about what they learn family, we as they're working through that. the whole story we of the Scriptures. Everybody else, if you would turn to Psalm you are 23. That's where we'll be this morning. Uh, Psalm 23. If you are new now uh, here, my name is Chuck. One of the pastors and thrilled that you've chosen to we join and worship with us today. Last week we started what will uh, take the first half of the summer, working through some selected uh, psalms. So we hope that this will be an encouragement to you. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under the seat in front of you. Feel free to take that. So Psalm uh, 23. Psalm 23. There's tremendous power in a single sentence. Just one sentence. Here are a few famous ones, see if you remember them. I have a dream. But soft what light through yonder window breaks. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Bond. James Bond. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The most famous of all psalms begins with the most famous sentence in all the psalms. Today we're going to spend our morning together the remaining time that we have, just considering mainly that opening sentence. Friends, if we would but believe it and rest in it, no part of our lives as Christians would remain unimpacted. Today we're going to study this most famous of all sentences in Psalm 23. I've asked this morning if Ming and uh, Shumei would come and read for us Psalm 23. Ming and Shumei are both from, originally from Taiwan, came to Christ as part of the international ministry here at Church on Mill and have faithfully been involved for how long? About 30 years. About 30 years here as members of Church on Mill. So Ming and Shumei will read Psalm 23 to us. Uh, one will read in English, the other in Mandarin. God's word is good. It's going forward. And all languages, peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will have opportunity to hear it by God's grace. So would you read for us, brother and sister? Good morning, brother and sister in Christ. Here's the Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I should not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restored my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. 在我的敌人面前，你为我摆上宴席，你用油高了我的头，使我的福杯满意。Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 我一生一世必有恩惠慈爱随着我，我且要住在耶和华的殿中，直到永远。Amen。Amen。Amen。Thank you, Ming and Shimei. Last Sunday, we spent uh, our morning together looking at the tremendous promises of Psalm chapter 1. And we learned that if we will be people who, over time, learn how to meditate on and delight in God's Word, then God will give us stability, nourishment, and fruitfulness. Those are the promises of God. Those are the blessings of learning to take His Word and not merely read it, but really take it in and chew on it, meditate on it, focus upon it, apply it to life. One key practice in this vague, fuzzy feeling thing called meditation is one way to go about that, is to take a sentence in the scripture and simply slowly focus in on each word in that sentence. So this morning what I want to do is try to apply the teaching, the commandment of Psalm 1, that we be people who meditate, by doing that with Psalm 23, verse 1. So, if uh, you are ever irritated with me and think we cover too much material, this is your day, because we're going to take one verse, Psalm 23, verse 1. And so if you want to practice this, you want to try it at home, something you can do is take a key sentence and say the first word. If it's the, you should probably go to the next word, but take the, the key words and simply choose to focus in on a word, pray it to the Lord, think deeply about what that word means, and then move on to the next word. I want to try and model that for us this morning. So the first word, words of Psalm 23 are the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Friends, this means that God gave himself for me and that he has chosen me and you to be in his flock. The Lord is a sustainer, a protector, a provider, a guider. He's God himself. The Lord is my shepherd. The Hebrew word originally written behind our word, the Lord, is this word. It'll be on the screens. That's about as clear as whatever that stuff Shumei was saying was. That word is the Hebrew word Yahweh. When we were singing together today, hallelujah, that word hallelujah means praise to Yahweh. Praise to Yahweh. So over and over and over, you already today have been saying Praise to Yahweh as we sung together. This is the most wonderful word that has ever been spoken. The very best word that exists. Yahweh means I am who I am. Or simply I am. Maybe you're familiar with when God first shared with humanity his name. 
If not, let me catch you up. God comes in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, the very first book, to a guy named Moses. Moses was a fugitive. He had murdered an Egyptian and then ran out in the desert. Years later, God shows up. He manifests himself in a burning bush, a bush that doesn't burn up. And he says to Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and tell the most powerful man on the planet to let my people go. And Moses, of course, says, yeah, right. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't want to do that. That's not a task for me. But God still says, well, go back and let my people go. Tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And so Moses, in his whole litany of reasons why he can't go, says, I don't even know your name. How am I supposed to go and tell Pharaoh, God says, let my people go, when he won't acknowledge God and he doesn't know your name? And so God, in all his gentleness, says, well, tell him, Yahweh sent me. The I am sent me. So don't miss the irony there. It's palpable. Listen to this word. Yahweh. 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 It almost sounds like nothing. It's almost unutterable. It sounds almost like a breath, doesn't it? Yahweh. So God tells this guy Moses, go to the most powerful man on the planet, and when he says, yeah, right, who sent you? Just tell him, I am. I am. You think God's asked you to do something hard? That's crazy. That's crazy. Moses, I am. That's all you need to know. I'm closer than the air you breathe. I am. You don't have to fear. I am. I will be with you. I am. The Lord. This name for God emphasizes both God's self-sufficiency and God's timelessness. Let's think about those two things together for a moment. God's self-sufficient. Friends, the Lord is my shepherd means the one who has no needs. The one who has everything. The one who knows everything is for you. In and of himself, God is self-sufficient. He needs no wisdom. He is wisdom. He needs no power. He is all-powerful. He needs no help. He can do literally anything he wants to do. Don't be deceived. God is not helped out by you or by me. We don't fill in the gaps that God missed. God's not obligated to answer to anyone. He's self-accountable. That God, an all-sufficient God, says, I will care for you. The Lord 
is your shepherd. That's really great news, is it not? God is your shepherd. But there's more to that name because the self-sufficient one is also the timeless one. Friends, before your dad was born, before your grandmother was conceived, before your great uncle fought in the war, before America had a president, before medicine, before science, before sports, before China, before Britain, before Rome, before Greece, before Persia, before Muhammad, before Gandhi, before Shakespeare, before Putin, before Genghis Khan, before your wife left you, before you had a miscarriage, before you failed that class, before you lost your closest friend, before bankruptcy, before your diagnosis, before ASU had its first student, before Stephen Curry, for those of you who are more seasoned, before the Beatles, before dinosaurs, <laughs> before anything and anyone else, God was there. In a world where things seem to change, not by the month or the week or the day, but by the hour, God was first. That God, who is somehow completely above time, has always been, will ever be, is also present now, giving himself to you to care for you. The Lord, the timeless one, is your shepherd. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do you hear what that means in terms of comfort, trust, confidence? God's dependable. You can count on him. What he says he will do in his word is completely dependable. You can take it to the bank. God will take care of you. It's settled. Everlasting, eternal, unchanging, immutable. God is always holy. He's always powerful. He's always loving. He's always just. He's always available. He's always defending and protecting his people. Let's do an exercise together. If you have a phone, will you turn it off? Will you turn your ringer off now? Especially the one that's ringing. Oh my gosh. God is unchanging. Friends, nearly everyone you know is fickle. Our moods change based on whether or not we've eaten in the last few hours. One unexpected text on the phone you were supposed to have turned off can derail the rest of your day. People are ever-changing. We're constantly looking for the next best thing. But God is steady. God is a rock. God is unmovable. The Lord is perfect. The Lord is unchanging. You can count on God. When everyone else fails, God will not fail. The Lord is your shepherd. 
In the 1600s, on the other side of the world, a guy named Stephen Charnock wrote this about God. It won't be on the screens because I just found it, but just listen. Take this in. If God be unchangeable in doing us good, then it is a reason why we should be unchangeable in doing him service. If he assures us that he is our God, the I am, he would also that we should be his people, his we are. If he declare he himself constant in his promises, he expects that we should be so in our obedience. The Lord is our shepherd. Isn't that great news? This is meditation. We've covered only two words. You can do that friends, increasingly with greater effectiveness the more you're in the Scriptures. Just picking up the Bible and chewing on the first sentence. The Lord is. Did you know you can do that with the word is? The Lord is my shepherd. Christian, the Lord is your shepherd today. He is. Not will be, not was, not might become, not is considering, not would like to be. The Lord is your shepherd. God is your shepherd right now. So much heartache could be avoided in life if we clung to that simple two-letter word, is. Is. Not the Lord will be my shepherd if I finally conquer my tendency to gossip. Not the Lord might become my shepherd if I quit disappointing him. Not when I get past this awful bit of suffering, then the Lord will be my shepherd. Not when I'm finally feeling worthy of Christ dying for me, God might consider becoming my shepherd. No. The Lord is my shepherd, and that is all of grace. Is the power in that simple little word to comfort your soul after you have failed, when you're afraid, when life is overwhelming. Is. One of the most theologically rich books in the New Testament, in its last couple of verses, says this. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good. If the great shepherd of the sheep is your Lord, your God, he will be faithful to equip you for every single situation you will meet today. And not only today, every single day of your life. Friends, when the Lord is your shepherd, the one with timeless resources has taken on you to provide all that you need for life and godliness. He promises to equip you. So do you feel discouraged today? Are you overwhelmed? Are you saddened? Are you angry? Are you af afraid? Are you anxious? The only word you need is is. 
the Lord is your shepherd. In his time and in his way, which are not at all with odds with what's best for you, the great shepherd of the sheep will show you how he is everything you need. He is working all things together for the good of making you more like Christ. The Lord is your shepherd. What's the next word? My. The Lord is my. We are perhaps one of the most insecure and needy people who have ever lived. How many times this last week did you check your Twitter, your Instagram, and your Facebook to see how many likes your previous post got. For all our talk of personal rights and individual autonomy, many of us are shackled by the fleeting opinions of people. We live for that next attaboy or somebody's pressed heart. We're intoxicated with the praise of people. We believe the approval of people equals the worth of our lives. We live in the prison of narcissism. My dear friends, Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to the cries, the shouts, King, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And on Thursday, they arrested him. On Friday, they killed him. Do you really want to live for the opinions of people? The opinions of people are a pathetic excuse for an identity and a security in life. But God, the Lord, the self-sustaining and eternal timeless one, he gives identity, based not on your work, but on his. That Lord can be your shepherd. If you've accepted Christ, then you can say, the Lord is my, my shepherd. So where does our basis for confidence and hope and peace come from? Come from? comes from that word, my. The Lord is my shepherd. Those of you today who are here who are not Christians, are you catching a vision for how important a saving relationship with Jesus could become for you? You too could say, the Lord is my shepherd. It's not enough to say, the Lord is my parent's shepherd, or the Lord is my pastor's shepherd, or the Lord is my wife's shepherd. It's got to be the Lord is my shepherd. Without that word, none of the Lord's saving benefits are yours. They have to be personal. They have to become yours. Do you, write, do you want to be right with God and have his, Him as your constant companion? Then by grace... Come to the Lord so the Lord becomes your Lord. 
Now, perhaps the most powerful, prominent word in the whole psalm is the next one. The Lord is my shepherd. Do you know much about shepherds? Probably not. If so, you're kind of a weirdo in the middle of an urban society. I've only had one experience with an actual sheep. I was a youth pastor, and we were doing one of those video scavenger hunts, and we put down one of the objects, one of the things you had to accomplish was to get a picture kissing a sheep. So there was one farm in town, and we went and knocked on the guy's door and said, could we kiss your sheep? <laughs> and he said no. And so we did it anyway. This is why it's not a good idea to do video scavenger hunts. So my friend went and did an aerial tackle of the sheep and held that sheep while I kissed him or her. I, I don't know how that works. <clears throat> Let me tell you a little bit about shepherds. David, who wrote this psalm, was king of Israel. But he wasn't always a king. He was a shepherd. Now, maybe you've seen a picture, and being a shepherd looks kind of manly, studly, sexy. Not at all. You're missing the point of the image. No one wanted to be a shepherd in the ancient world. It's a miserable job. You ever seen that show, uh, Dirty Jobs? This would have been like number one on the list of dirty jobs. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the shepherd had to care for the sheep. There was very little good grass. And so as a shepherd, you were constantly on the move looking for the next bit of grass. And the sheep are pretty stupid. So they're always getting hurt or lost. So almost constantly you were looking for the one that wandered away. You were tending the disgusting wounds of the one who had gotten himself hurt again. Water was scarce. Wolves were common. So in the heat of the day and in the frigid wind of the night, there you were, out with the sheep. It's almost as though you were like one of the animals. You were ostracized relationally because you were out by yourself for weeks, if not months at a time. You were not only with the sheep, you smelled like the sheep, you likely looked like the sheep. No one wanted to be a shepherd. No one. This wasn't what you aspired to do with your life. Today we make movies about people that wander off and live out in the wilderness and grow long hair and eat whatever they find. But back then, these were the weirdos. Do you know where David fell in the birth order of his family? He's the last one. Generally, that's what happened in the family. The runt in the family got to be the shepherd. No one wanted to be a shepherd. Friends, shepherds had an undesirable but crucial job. The sheep, if the sheep are not led to food and water, sheep die. If the sheep have sores and wounds that are bad enough that they're not tended to, sheep die. If they're not protected from predators, Sheep die. 
If they're not guided to higher elevations, as the temperatures rise and the grass of the lowlands gets burned up, sheep die. Get this. If sheep are scared, they won't lay down. So this image in the psalm, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Back then, they would have understood the sheep that I own, that I have a shepherd who takes care of them, they are so anxious and worried. If they don't feel safe, they won't lay down. Doesn't that describe us so well? How many of us live with little sleep because we do this on the remote? to empty our minds one more hour. How many of us drink ourselves to sleep? The Lord is my shepherd. The good shepherd is a matter of life and death for the sheep. Christian God has stooped to take care of you like that. Listen to those words again. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That's what God says he does for you. Now, I don't at all mean that you'll always feel like you're living in green pastures or beside still waters. You won't. Notice it says that God leads us in the right paths. That's what in righteousness means. He takes us through the things in life we need in order to grow us in holiness. And notice what comes next in the psalm. The valley of the shadow of death. Just as true as the shepherd caring for us in the incredibly easy and joyful days, he's still right there caring for us in the days of suffering, in those valleys of the shadow of death. Now understand, not every psalm David wrote sounds like this one. In fact, this is literally the only psalm David wrote that is positive from beginning to end. That's thoroughly encouraging. The experience of God as our shepherd is not universally positive. There are dark days. There are valleys. Christian, God is more concerned for your Christ-likeness than you are. He is more committed to his glory than you are. And he promises to use all things to shepherd you into the full image of Jesus Christ. Notice something really fascinating. Let's do 2, 3, and 4 again. And listen really closely. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. So why the switch from third person to second person? I'm sorry. It's summer. 
Why does he go from he, 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 he to you? Is that just like a slip? He got lazy in the middle of the psalm? No. Why does David go from saying he to saying you? The same exact reason you do. Because, friends, you are never more aware of God's presence. You're never more dialed into your need for him than when you're clinging to him and suffering. The he does this for me in times of ease becomes you are the only reason I can make it through when we face suffering. Don't waste your suffering bemoaning how hard it is. Instead, warm up to a personal relationship with God that becomes, you must get me through today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. That's how you meditate on God's word. You simply take it word for word. Pray, let it soak down into your soul. Now what's the result of the Lord being your shepherd? I shall not want. Notice David doesn't say, because I'm famous, I lack nothing good. Or because I have tremendous power of a king, of a king I lack no good thing. Because I have a lot of great sex, I lack no great thing. I'm tremendously wealthy, so I lack no great thing. He doesn't even say, because God gives me a life free from hardship, I lack no good thing. Oh no. For one reason and one reason only, does David say, I lack nothing I need. That's because the Lord is his shepherd. Friends, we are tremendously hopeless as sheep. But because God is our shepherd, we lack nothing we need. Nothing. Nothing. Christian, do you recognize that God not only meets your needs today, but he's already meet your greatest need, your eternal need? How? Well, it's much clearer today than it was in David's day. About 1,500 years after David wrote this, Jesus walked on earth, and Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. I, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. Who's he talking about? Us. Wow. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Friend, in rescuing you from sin and delivering you from the power of Satan, Jesus has welcomed you into his flock. So how do you apply this? Are you kidding? Do we have to ask that? Christian, don't be afraid. No matter what. Christian, trust God. Christian, put your confidence 
in him. Christian, live for him. Christian, be bold for him. Christian, when you sin, don't run. The Lord is your shepherd. Now, it would be foolish to revel in this great psalm and leave some of you out. So in the remaining five minutes I have, let me speak to those of you in the room who cannot presently make these claims for yourself. Because you are here, and I'm thrilled about that. Friend, the psalm doesn't say, the Lord is everyone's shepherd. Don't be deceived. That's not what he's saying. In fact, there are some here today who may not be his sheep. And they would fall into two camps. Some of you know that you're not one of his sheep because you don't claim to be. You're still checking out the claims of Christ. You're not so sure what you think about God. The evidence is yet to be overwhelming for you. Welcome. There's not a better place on the planet you could be today. We're thrilled that you're here. We're thrilled that you don't have to fake it here. We're thrilled that you would consider the claims of Christ. But you're not the only one here today who doesn't have God as your shepherd. There are others here today who believe you are his sheep and you are not. How do you know whether the shepherd is your shepherd? Well, this is not one of those things that we need a blindfold and we're going to spin the tail and find the shepherd. God hasn't left your eternal destiny up to a silly game. You can know. How do you know? John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. He gives two ways you know. They're very clear. God does not want any question to exist about are you right with him? How do you know? Two ways. Do you hear him? Now that doesn't mean audibly have you heard the voice of God. Maybe you have. I have not. And I'm staking everything on this being true. It means when you read the scriptures, does God talk? That's what it means. Do you take the words of the Bible to be the words of God? Jesus himself speaking to you. My sheep hear my voice means, does God talk to you in the scriptures? If so, you've met the first test. Now, I don't mean every time you open the Bible, do you have 
a warm, fuzzy, ex existential, ah. Do you cry every time you read the Bible? Is every day with Jesus sweeter than the day before? Do you get warm fuzzies and goosebumps? All of those things could happen, but that's not what I'm saying. Do you believe the words of the Bible are God's words? And do you trust them to be God speaking? That's the first test. The second is what? Not rhetorical. Do you follow him? Friend, you, you don't get Jesus as Savior without Jesus as Lord. Are you committed to a lifestyle of increasing obedience to the God who speaks? Can you look back and see three years ago I was caught up in da-da-da-da. Today I'm not. Is there a desire to obey? If not, the Lord is not your shepherd. You are self-deceived and in great danger. You don't get Jesus by proxy. You don't get it from walking the aisle. You don't get it from sitting in here a lot of times. You don't get it because your parents got it. My sheep, hear my voice. My sheep follow me. If he is not your shepherd, the great news is he can become that today. If you will simply say, I believe Jesus came, died, and rose again. I believe he died in my place. Because, you see, Jesus is not only a sacrificial shepherd. In the greatest most shocking turn of events ever. The sacrificial shepherd became the slaughtered lamb. The shepherd laid down his life, taking their place for the sheep. If you will turn from sin and turn to him, then he will become your shepherd. The last book in the Bible says this, for the lamb... This is Jesus speaking of what's to come. The lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of water. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's take a moment in brief, quiet, reflective prayer. And I encourage you to ask yourself, do I meet those tests? Do I hear God, in the word, 
meaning do I trust the God of the Word? And am I aiming to follow Him? If you say yes to the first and no to the second, then would you repent, enjoy forgiveness in God? If you say yes to the first and you've never said no to the second, then would you invite Him to save you and be your Lord and Savior? And then as you're praying, would you make a commitment before you leave this room to tell somebody that that's what you've done? You see, being a Christian is not a private, individual activity. It's a public declaration of faith that you will stand with God's people. Let's pray.